Hi there, you're listening to the Practical Stoic Podcast with your host, me, Simon Drew. If you'd like to listen to over 200 episodes that were recorded before 2020, then you can head to my Patreon site. It's patreon.com forward slash Simon J.E. Drew. We'd love to have you there and any support is greatly appreciated. We'd love to also have you on our Facebook community, The Practical Stoic Mastermind. But for now, enjoy the show. Hi there, my name's Simon Drew and welcome to The Practical Stoic Podcast. Now, in today's episode, I just wanted to give you a bit of an overview of the uh, main ideas, the core teachings of Stoicism. And this is actually kind of a difficult task. It's, it's, it's hard to figure out how I should go about this. And the best way that I've come up with is I'm actually going to give you the main goal of Stoicism. So this is what we're all aiming at when we practice Stoicism. And then I'll take you down to, you know, a bit of a structure that they give us for how we can attain that goal. Uh, and then we'll move into the tools and tactics of Stoicism. And I borrowed that term from Tim Ferriss. I think I heard it from him first. Uh, and basically what that is, is a whole bunch of strategies that the ancient Stoics gave us that can help us to get a little bit closer to attaining that goal. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to go the goal, then the structure of which we would get to that goal, and then the tools and tactics that can aid us along the journey. And so we're going to start with the ultimate goal, the ultimate aim of Stoicism. And to demonstrate this to you, I'm going to ask you a question. And it might seem quite weird, but I want you to roll with me on this one because it does have a point. What if you lived your life in the same mindset as, say, a lion, right? And what I mean by this is a lion doesn't seem very perplexed about what he is or what his role is within his ecosystem, right? The lion gets up. If he's hungry, he goes and chases a gazelle. If he's sleepy, then he goes to sleep. He, he, he instinctively just knows through, in, through many, many years of, of evolutionary happenings, uh, he just knows that he fits perfectly within the ecosystem within which he lives. Uh, and it might not be that he knows this, uh, but he lives as if he knows this. And so, as I said, the lion isn't very perplexed about life, but it seems that human beings have this problem. We seem to be very confused about what it is that we are here for. We're very confused about our purpose here on Earth. We're we're very confused about if it is just here on Earth or if there is an afterlife. We're very confused about, you know, who we should be, how we should live. Uh, you know, what are we supposed to do with our lives? Uh, you know, death, that's a horrifying thing to think about. Uh, th- there's so many crazy things going on around us and we seem to be stuck in chaos all the time. And what Stoicism teaches us is essentially that the main aim of life, the main goal of life for the Stoics was to align with nature. And so to truly understand what the Stoics meant when they talked about aligning with nature, uh, we kind of have to see the world through their eyes and we have to see the universe the way that they saw the universe. And the way that they saw the universe was as a highly intelligent, highly complex web of interconnectedness. Uh, In other words, it was a well-ordered whole. Everything was the one thing, the cosmos. And that's why they call the Stoics cosmopolitans, uh, because they really had that belief that every single thing has its own purpose. Everything that happens uh, is perfect because it's a part of the entire system of nature. 
And so we as humans are not necessarily separate from nature. We may have our own very unique abilities or our very uh, unique gifts that we bring to the ecosystem of nature within which we live, uh, but we are not separate by any stretch of the imagination. And so what the Stoics essentially taught us in this idea of aligning with nature is almost as if they're saying, come home, you know, this is your home. You are a part of the cosmos. You also have things that you are supposed to do just as a human being. You know, just as a lion does what a lion does, a human is supposed to do what a human does. And that is the ultimate question with which they tried to answer this, you know, idea of aligning with nature. It's like, what does a human do? Because if you know what a human does, then you know how you fit into the cosmos within which you live. And so to answer this question of how we fit uniquely into the cosmos, uh, the Stoics kind of looked around at nature and they said, well, it seems that every single thing that we look at has some sort of unique virtue. And what they meant by virtue was that every single thing has some reason why it fits perfectly within that ecosystem. So, for example, you know, animals, uh, you know, are hypermobile, right? So they can move around, they can run around, uh, you know, obviously sloths are slightly less mobile. Uh, but then you look at these animals and you say, well, if you saw an animal and it wasn't moving around, then you would probably think that it's sick, you know? So if your dog wasn't moving and it didn't move for a week, it just sat there, you'd think, my dog is sick. That's because it's not doing what it is supposed to do. And in the same way, if we go back to the example of the lion, you know, a lion has sharp teeth and big claws. And so if a lion just all of a sudden decided that it was going to be vegetarian, uh, you'd look at that lion and think, mm, that lion is completely, you know, unaligned with nature. It, it's not doing what it's supposed to do. It's not doing its virtue. And so the question for us was, you know, what are the things that we as humans, if we did not do, uh, you know, we would be seen to be sick. And this is a good time to bring in the second step, uh, which is to aim at virtue. Because in the hierarchy of Stoic ideas, they taught that first, our goal is to align with nature. Uh, but the second step, the step that's going to get you there, is to aim at virtue. And what that means, essentially, going back to what we were just talking about, uh, is to do the things that make you uniquely human. You have virtues as a human being that other animals or plants don't have, that other things in nature don't have. And so if you can do those things, then maybe that makes you a whole human. Maybe someday you'll be able to reach that stage of eudaimonia. You know, that's the word that the Stoics used. Uh, it essentially can be translated to a flourishing life. That's the goal. And we get there by aiming at virtue, aiming at those things that make us human. And the Stoics actually found that there was one thing that made us incredibly unique. And that is our ability as human beings to rationalize, to have correct sound judgments. And so if we could use that rationality, that gift that we have uh, to figure out what it is that a good human being should do, then maybe we can figure out what are the rest of our virtues? You know, what are our virtues as human beings? And if we can figure that out, then we can head in the direction of aligning with nature. 
And luckily for us, the Stoics actually did most of the rationalizing for us. And so they actually came up with the four cardinal virtues. And this is essentially their playbook for how to live a good life. And it's four virtues that they feel uh, were all encompassing. You know, if we were to live by these virtues and understand what they meant, then maybe we could come closer to eudaimonia or the flourishing life in alignment with nature. Now, when we talk about these cardinal virtues, we can start with the first, which is courage. Now, courage covers things like bravery, things like uh, understanding what makes you strong and what makes you weak. Uh, courage also encompasses things like being cheerful in spite of the less than ideal circumstances that we often face in life. And also things like endurance. And so courage is really helping to build you up and make you a strong human being. And then we move to the second cardinal virtue, which is temperance. And this is kind of like uh, thinking about moderation. You know, we don't always have to go to the extremes. Uh, it's good to maybe moderate yourself from time to time and say, well, I need to be self-disciplined. I need to uh, have self-control and I need to work on making sure that I can actually, you know, live by the principles that I set for myself. And then we go to the third cardinal virtue, which is justice. And this can teach us how to make correct judgments about what is good and what is bad. And it can teach us how to interact with our fellow human beings. I mean, seeing as we're all part of the same team, we're all part of the same species living in the same cosmos. You know, it's like uh, we really need to figure out how we can, you know, interact perfectly with each other. And that's where justice comes in. And then the final cardinal virtue is that of wisdom. And this comes back to correct thinking, sound thinking, and correct knowledge and understanding of how to rationalize and how to think about life and how to think about being a good human being. And so here we are. We know what the main goal of Stoicism is. It's to get us to align with nature, to come home, you know, and find that eudaimonia or the flourishing life. And we know that the way to get there is probably by focusing on our own unique virtues as human beings, becoming a good and effective human being, right? And we do that by aligning with the virtues of courage, justice, temperance, and wisdom. And so now we get to the fun stuff where we get to take a look at all of the tools and tactics that the Stoics have given us that can help us to get to that point where we are aligning with these virtues. And I'm probably not going to give you all of these tools and tactics that the Stoics give us because there are so many, but I'm going to essentially do a best of list right now, starting with one of the most common, which is called the dichotomy of control. Now, if you're new to Stoicism, then you've never heard this before. And so basically what it means is that there are some things that are within our control and there are some things that are outside of our control. And what this means is that we essentially need to align ourselves with the things that are within our power, right? And we need to almost let go of everything that's not inside our sphere of influence, and a classic example that we always give to demonstrate the dichotomy of control is, you know, let's say you're stuck in traffic uh, and you're late for work. And all of a sudden, these tense feelings start popping up in your body. You get really annoyed. You're anxious and you can't believe that this is happening to you. Well, the Stoics would say, listen, 
you need to let go of that. You need to let go of the fact that you're stuck in traffic now, right? You can't control that. That is outside of your sphere of influence, right? So maybe next time you should focus on controlling what you can control, which is your reactions to the circumstances of life, you know, your inner thoughts that lead you to doing something about what's happening, right? And so maybe next time, Take into account that there might be traffic. Take into account that things might happen on your way to work. And if you need to be at work on time, then maybe you just need to prepare yourself at home a little bit earlier, right? That's what you can control. But the fact that you're now stuck in traffic, that's outside of your sphere of influence. And I want you to do an exercise right now or even at home once you've listened to this episode. Uh, I want you to write down on a piece of paper you know, maybe the last five or six times when you felt really stressed, really anxious, you know, really angry about what was happening in life. And I can bet that most of those times when you feel those feelings, you're actually focusing on things that are completely outside of your control. And when you start to realize this, you you find out, you know, wow, how much energy am I wasting in my life just by worrying about things that I have no influence over? And so that's a really powerful tool that you can use in your life, the dichotomy of control, being able to look at what is within your control and what is outside of your control. And obviously, uh, moving into a modern age, we've kind of modernized this and we do understand now that It's not necessarily black or white, you know, everything is on a spectrum. There are a lot of things that we kind of have some influence over. For example, you know, what people think about us. You know, in the end, what that person thinks about us is not in our control. You know, if somebody thinks poorly of you, you know, like there's not much that you can do about that. But what you can do is come back to the one thing that you can control, your own rational thought, you know, your own ability to reason and to be a better person. And maybe if you're a better person, maybe people will start to respect you a little bit more. You know, maybe not, but you kind of have that influence there. And so it's interesting to look at your life and look at all the things that you have no control over, say the weather, things that you have some control over, say what people think of you, and then things that you have complete control over, which is kind of your reactions to what happens. And so moving on, I want to talk about another tool that you can use, which is almost a meditation on what is good and useful in life and what is not. And we call this the good, the bad, and the indifferent, right? And so this is essentially looking at life and saying, what's important, what's not, and what really doesn't matter either way. And as the Stoics taught, anything that is virtuous, anything that is uniquely us as human beings, anything that makes us a good human being, that is virtuous. So things like courage, right? And so you might say that uh, the opposite of the virtues uh, would be what would be considered to be bad, right? So let's say temperance or moderation is a virtue. Well, maybe excess is something that is bad, something that would lead us astray. Uh, And then we look at things that are called indifference. And these are things that really don't matter either way, but maybe there are some things that we would prefer to have. So let's take money, for for example. Money can be a great tool and it can really help you to make a massive difference in the lives of people and in your own life and your own sphere of influence within your family, your community. If you make a lot of money, there are a lot of great things that you can do with it but it doesn't necessarily mean that you will do that with it. You know, money isn't going to tell you, hey, I'm virtuous, you should use me. You know, you make the decision of how to use it. And so it can be used for really evil purposes as well. And so what the Stoics say is, listen, money doesn't matter either way, but if you can get it, 
get it. You know, like that's a, that's a great thing. It'll help you to be more virtuous if you're a virtuous person. But don't think that it's going to make you happy because it simply won't. And so what this is, the good, the bad, and the ugly, sorry, the good, the bad, and the indifferent, I'm in that, that mindset. Uh, so what it is, is essentially a way of saying, listen, understand what is important in life, understand what is necessary, and understand what really doesn't make a difference to your overall satisfaction in life anyway. And moving on, I want to tell you about a Latin phrase that the Stoics used, and that phrase was amor fati. Now, this translates to something like, love your fate. And this is actually a beautiful idea. You know, this whole idea of love your fate essentially says that, listen, if the universe is perfect and everything has its own place within the universe, and and if what happens, you know, is just what happens, you know, we can't control it. Uh, you know, things happen to us all the time, whether it's the weather, you know, we get cyclones, fires, floods, nature is constantly trying to kill us. Um, and then, you know, you look at the things that people do to us and, and, you know, we can get stuck in all kinds of hell in life. But if you see the system that you live in as perfect and harmonious and all part of one, you know, one universe, one cosmos, then maybe the things that happen to you are just part of what happens. And you need to look at how you could potentially learn from them. You know, look at how they could be good for you because you exist within this structure of the universe that does terrible things all the time. So if there's terrible things happening all the time, then maybe it's good that terrible things are happening all the time. And so love your fate means look at what happens to you and don't bemoan it, don't get angry, don't get stressed. Listen, if a lion, going back to this example, if a lion didn't catch a gazelle one day, and then it went back to its pride and it got all depressed and, oh, poor me, I didn't catch the gazelle. I'll never catch a gazelle again. You'd think that's a sick lion. That's not a, a, a lion that is aligned with its true nature as an animal, as a lion. And so for you, you know, terrible things happen to us all the time as humans. And so we need to love it. We need to understand that this could be good for me. And that's where we get the idea of live your life as if it's happening for you and not to you, which is a brilliant idea to get into that mindset that says anything that happens to me, I can take something from it. I can turn it into something of value for me. And, you know, that's where we get the idea of turning the obstacle into the way, the popular idea that is is around now, thanks to people like Ryan Holiday. And so look at your fate, look at the things that happen to you and say, I love this. I love it and I want it because what happens to me must be good for me in some way. And moving from one Latin phrase, amor fati, uh, to another, uh, which the Stoics used, memento mori. And I actually have this tattooed on my wrist here. Memento mori means essentially uh, remember death. Remember that you will die. Keep death in your vision. You know, and this is such a beautiful idea if you understand it, because, you know, pretty much every time that I tell somebody about this tattoo or they see it and I say, you know, it means remember death and, you know, they immediately re you know, resort to, oh, ooh, that's, that's a little bit morbid, isn't it? You know, do you really want to think about that? That is exactly why the Stoics said that we need to remember it, because death is one of the harshest facts of life. You know, we are human beings and part of our human condition is that we are aware of ourselves and we are aware of our vulnerabilities. 
And one of those vulnerabilities is that one day we will die. We know that, right? And to act as if that's not going to happen or to act as if that's a bad thing that we would die is completely out of alignment with nature, completely against who we are as human beings. Death is such an important part of life. It's what pushes us to to create, to innovate, to be the best that we can be. And when you remember that at any moment, now, tomorrow, next week, you're not guaranteed anything. You could die at any moment in your life. And that is such a beautiful thing to think about if you allow it to influence your mind in the way that it should which is to push you to be a better person, a more virtuous person, and to say that you really don't have time. You shouldn't wait until you're 50 to do this. You know, you shouldn't wait until tomorrow to become a better person. You should do it right now because you are not guaranteed tomorrow by any stretch of the imagination. And so memento mori, remember death, keep it on your mind and remember that you don't actually have unlimited time. You have today, this moment, right now, to become the person who you want to be. Now, I'm going to move from one seemingly morbid idea to another, and that is the practice that the Stoics had of rehearsing poverty. Now, this sounds a little bit weird, but it's actually really in alignment with what we understand now uh, with modern psychology. Uh, It's the idea that if you're afraid of something, maybe you should subject yourself to it voluntarily. And when you subject yourself to it voluntarily, then you understand that it's not really that bad after all. And so they said that, listen, if you think that poverty is bad, having nothing is bad, why don't you, you know, spend a weekend, you know, maybe spending only a dollar a day to eat, or or maybe why don't you fast for a while, or why don't you practice having nothing for a little bit, just so that you know that you can do it. It's not really an evil thing. Like having nothing is not evil by any stretch of the imagination. It's just having nothing. And you as a human being are well equipped with the tools to be able to be happy, self-sufficient and and have a good life and be virtuous, which is the ultimate goal, right? Even if you have nothing. And so that's why this is a philosophy that can appeal to everybody in life, no matter what lot you have. It's because you can really understand that no matter where you are in your life right now, the chances are you can still be a good, virtuous person and move towards a better life for yourself. Now, I'm going to tell you about a very similar practice, except it's not a physical practice. It's actually a mental practice, one that takes place in your mind. And it's kind of a meditation called negative visualization. And what it is, it's essentially that you would sit there and go through all of the possible ways that terrible things could happen to you in your life. You know, whether that's a natural disaster, whether that's deceitful people uh, doing terrible things to you, maybe the collapse of your business, uh, maybe the collapse of your family, you know, all of these terrible things that can happen to you. Because the chances are, one day in your life, something's going to come along and happen to you, and it's going to flip your life upside down. And you're going to be surprised to see it, and it's going to be a terrible situation for you. But the idea is, if you will, you know, think about this thing happening to you, and imagine all of the ways that you might be able to mitigate the risk, or control the situation, or even uh, stop it from happening in the first place, 
you know, then this is a great way to go about mitigating the risk of being anxious and, and being stressed out and, and feeling anger and all of these, these terrible feelings that we get when things happen that go against what we think should happen, right? And so really, it's again, going back to that alignment with nature, it's aligning yourself with the fact that bad things will happen to you. Life is suffering. That will happen, right? But maybe if you think about it happening first and you come up with some plans, then maybe you'll get through it just a little bit better than what you would have if you didn't think about it in the first place and you were surprised. And, you know, this is actually a great principle to use in business, for example. And there are whole companies out there that literally would go into businesses and say, here's all the reasons why your business could fail within the next year. And here's all the ways that you could probably mitigate that risk. So if it's good enough for giant businesses, why wouldn't you do it in your own life? Why wouldn't you look at your own life and say, what are all the terrible things that could happen to me? including the death of a loved one, you know, and how should I be prepared to face that situation if and when it comes? And moving on, I've got one more technique to give you in this episode, and that is the view from above. Now, this is a beautiful technique that the Stoics used, which is essentially to sit there and meditate and and imagine yourself looking down upon the earth, right? So whether you're on top of a mountain or whether you're up in the stars looking at the earth and picture just how small everything is, you know, how seemingly insignificant your little role in this giant universe is. And what that can do, you know, it can help you to really understand just how insignificant so many of our worries and cares are. You know, and it can also help us to see just how insignificant so many of our desires are. You know, oh, we really want to get that car. Oh, I'm really stressed because there's traffic. You know, so many things stress us out. So many things make us angry and so many things really draw us in. But if you look at it from afar, it's not that difficult to concede that, hey, maybe a lot of the things that I worry about that really stress me out just don't matter in the giant scheme of the cosmos, you know? And so it really is just such a powerful technique just to sit there and imagine yourself looking down on the earth and looking at your tiny little lot in life. And that doesn't mean that it's unimportant. That doesn't mean that you're unimportant. It just means that it can give you a perspective of maybe what is important, maybe what is real to us. And so there you have it. That's my understanding of the hierarchy of ideas and aims within Stoicism. And uh, and listen, there's probably heaps that I've left out, but we're definitely going to get to it in later episodes. Um, so I'm really pumped because we've actually got some great interviews coming up in the podcast, uh, starting with our next episode, which is an interview with Massimo Pigliucci, one of the great Stoic thinkers of our time. And so I've got heaps of these interviews coming up. We're really going to try and get to the bottom of this philosophy and understand the true essence of Stoicism, what it means to live a virtuous life in alignment with nature. So I hope that you'll continue to join me with this uh, with this journey. And if you are watching on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button because you will get these videos in your feed very soon. So looking forward to these interviews. I'm looking forward to serving you more. And uh, listen, email me, message me, reach out to me on social media if you have any questions or if there's anything that I've left out or got anything wrong. I'm always happy to have a discussion. So I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Practical Stoic Podcast. 
If you'd like to stay up to date with the Practical Stoic community and everything to do with this podcast, then just go to my website, simonjedrew.com and subscribe to the Practical Stoic Weekly, a newsletter that I send out every week with updates and all sorts of great Stoic insights. You can also find me everywhere online by searching Simon J.E. Drew. See you next time.